It's Top 10 Thursdays. I'm your host, Sean Lemmy. John Hodney. Colin Wesman. Matt Carson. And this week, we are talking about actors and directors who work well together. Duos, if you will. Sort of in honor of the five-year engagement, I guess. The uh, the Nicholas Stoller movie, because he's worked with uh, Jason Segel in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and The Muppets. Although I'm not sure if he directed both of those. I think he just co-wrote The um, the Muppets with Jason Siegel. But it's a tenuous enough connection for us to do this list that we've been talking about doing for a while. It'd be funny if that movie turns out not to be a list like kind of an honor of it or in a way. Yeah, I don't even know if I'll see it. Because there's reviews been coming in and people are like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see how that ends up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's it's not the most exciting concept for a movie, I don't think. It's basically just that thing that uh, Pam was in in the office and Don was in in the office. Just a long engagement. Yeah, shit happens. Life happens. Life happens. Okay. <laughs> Should uh, we get started? Yeah, let's... Uh, so, actor-director duos. These uh, little teams... I guess one of them isn't a duo because it's a directing brotherhood. Um, but we're looking for. I guess it's just who made the best movies together, right? I think it's probably the quality of the work that they produced. All right. Yeah, I think so. So uh, let's start off with a duo that's really important to my life. It's uh, Bill Murray and. Wes Anderson. Uh, they've collaborated in every one of Wes Anderson's movies except for his very first film, Model Rocket. Which I bet he would have got Bill Murray if he could have. Well, it's tricky because Bill Murray doesn't even have like an agent. Like you have to, he has like a answering machine. That's the only way you can get a hold of him. So if you don't like know him, probably not gonna get him in your movie. But uh, I guess after a while. I don't, I don't know how Wes Anderson got in touch with them, but uh, they just they struck gold, made magic. And it really opened a lot of indie doors for Bill Murray, I feel like. Because I feel like he was starring in a lot more indie-type movies, like after like Rushmore and stuff. Yeah, I think he was probably going to end up going in that direction anyway. But Well, maybe. I, just, like, I think about all the really terrible movies Bill Murray's making around the same time, like... The man who knew too little and like Osmosis Jones and stuff. Oh, yeah. Just thank God that he found someone like Wes Anderson, and that they could work together and make such interesting, compelling work. And yeah, it seems like Bill Murray's basically made movies in this kind of style since Rushmore. I mean, he's he's stuck to dark humor, and I guess he's always been pretty much about dark humor. He's always been kind of dark. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. This is definitely 
informed a lot of this latest and perhaps best part of Bill Murray's career. I don't know. It's, it's interesting no, to see how he. It's interesting to see how he uses Bill Murray because I feel like Bill Murray was previously known for being the smartass in movies like in Ghostbusters and Stripes, and he kind of uses him more for this subdued, really dark midlife crisis kind of characters. <laughs> And I think it was surprised. It probably surprised a lot of people that Bill Murray had that kind of range, and because uh, these characters are, they have. They're, I mean, they're they're still they're still comedies, but they all they always have a, like a little bit of darkness to them. I think. Even Steve Zissou. Especially Steve Zissou. He's <laughs> he's worse off than most of his Wes Anderson characters. I mean, yeah, that movie yeah. starts with his best friend dying. It doesn't really go uphill from there. Uh, yes. But, but I, I think they're a great duo. I think they they really work well together. And, and they'll be working together again with um, Moonrise Kingdom. I guess at this point, they, they just have to. Like, he's probably like his good luck charm. Like, he doesn't use them. Yeah. The stars will fall from the sky. Yeah. Maybe that's the reason the uh, Darjeeling Limited wasn't better. Because it had such little so Bill Murray. I kind of like that he doesn't always use him in the same capacity. Sometimes they'll use him for more of like a side character, and sometimes he'll be the star. You know, he doesn't just make him the star every time. He experiments with him and, you know, tries out different things. And I find that really interesting for this list is uh, directors who, yeah, use their actors in different capacities, not always the star. Sometimes it's a side character. I just find that interesting, I guess. Yeah, uh, so a great duo, and certainly they make some of my favorite movies ever. So, yeah, Rushmore is probably my favorite of their collab- collaborations. Um, personally, yeah, this would definitely be on my list. I really, I really enjoy them together. What about you guys? I mean, no, it wouldn't be on mine. Um, I don't know. It's strange looking at the rest of these because they are usually like, well. The person, the actor is usually kind of like the leading man or woman. And yeah, Bill Murray's usually a side character. And the one that he stars in, Life Aquatic, is like, in my opinion, Wes Anderson's worst movie. But Really? Yeah. Darjeeling? Yeah. Wow. The movie doesn't work that well for me. But, um, I mean, I love Bill Murray. I like Wes Anderson. I don't love him, but uh, I don't know. You're pretty gung-ho about this duo. Yeah, but I'm gung-ho about any opportunity we have to talk about. Yeah, we talk about we talk about Wes Anderson a lot. A lot. I'm getting kind of sick of it. Well, then let's talk about something else. How about the... Well, it was number one on my list, on my personal list. So. Really? No, I'm just Let's talk about uh, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen working together. Just Woody and Annie. Yeah. Um, kind of a great just comedic pairing. I mean, uh, you think of really the just straight-up comedies like Sleeper and Love and Death, where they just have this great repartee with each other, and then uh, you get to something like Annie Hall, and they're able to sort of build on this this uh, chemistry that they have into something a little more mature and uh, I guess my only complaint is that I kind of like uh, 
Woody's movies with uh, Mia Farrow a little bit better. Really? Yeah. I guess I just haven't seen many of those, so I, don't, I wouldn't know. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the movies. I just like the fact that Woody used Mia Farrow in such a diverse way. She plays a really like just huge range of different kinds of characters in all his movies, and this is something that I don't think we would have ever seen from Mia Farrow. She's always played, I don't know, not that wide a range with with the other directors she's worked with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I prefer the Diane Keaton partnership just because I pref- I like those movies better. Uh, Annie Hall and Love and Death and you know Sleeper and all that stuff. Like I feel like the seventies that that's that's the the pinnacle of Woody Woody Allen quirkiness. Like he he matured I think more in the eighties and everything. He was making more complex films, but I think I always kind of preferred Woody. Doing more screwball stuff, personally. Okay, I mean, I, I like that stuff too, but yeah, for me, I prefer the eighties. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess we see, split there. So I, I really, I mean, with Mia Farrow, I've really only seen what Sisters, uh, Purple Rose, of Cairo. Uh, You've seen Crimes and Misdemeanors, right? Yeah, I've seen Crimes and Misdemeanors a long time ago. I don't even, I don't even remember she's in it. <laughs> I don't remember anything about that movie. Wow, it's one so, that really stuck with me. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know it's a it's a popular one from from that era of Woody. I mean, I'm fine with picking Diane Keaton too. I think they're I both really like really great actresses and did some fantastic work with Woody. So I'm. Yeah, but I think you do bring up a good point that Mia Farrow probably had more a wider range of characters that she could play. Dan Keaton kind of plays the same character in all of those Woody Allen movies, more or less. Well, yeah, except like I think Diane like, Keaton in, gives interiors or something. I think Diane Keaton is better in her movies than Mia Farrow is in in the limited selection of her Woody Allen movies that I've seen. And what have you seen? I've seen Pearl Rose of Cairo. Okay. Hmm, well, maybe I don't know. I think I probably for the the Diane Keaton one for now, and I, I wouldn't mind having that on the list. Not one I'm really excited about, but it definitely makes sense. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. And as for the other one, I don't know. The, the thing, also with Mia Farrow, is when I think about that duo now, I just think about, oh yeah, he's going to totally marry her daughter. That shouldn't matter. That yeah, shouldn't matter. The personal irrelevant. life shouldn't. <laughs> the personal life should shouldn't come into the picture here. Judge them for their art. <laughs> Even if that is weird for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I, I, I can't form an opinion on the Mia Farrow collaborations because I just I haven't – I'm not familiar with the work that, that much. So that, that's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on, on the list because I don't know. Yeah. I so, see. I mean – just two of those movies myself. So, Colin, unless that's something that you're really willing to, like, fight for. No, not really. I'm fine with just putting Diane Keaton. All right, then I'd say it's probably going to be a cut. All right. For, yeah, which I... But I, I want to I check out some more of those those films. 
By the way, Danny Rose, that's one, right? That's a good one. Radio yeah, Days also. I really that's like on that Netflix. One. I'll check that out. I will check it. Check it, check, 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 check it out. I think we can move ahead. Okay. I think so. How about the uh, indomitable Gene Wilder and director Mel Brooks? Made some of the greatest comedies of the of of the day. So what do you think that Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein came out in the same year? Man, what that a is year. weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just on fire. I think this partnership works so well just because Mel Brooks really tapped it into I don't know Gene Wilder's craziness and just like let him mm-hmm. go completely off the handle. I mean, and I film like Young Frankenstein. I feel like he's on edge like every minute. Like, anything to like just launch him into this like tirade. And that's, it's just so fun to watch him go like nuts. Same with the producers too. Like he's kind of a more reserved character in that movie, but he also has like these weird emotional outbursts from like his own insecurity. And it's just so funny to watch. I guess he uses them in a different capacity in Blazing Saddles, though. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I feel like he was more, a little more subdued in that yeah, one. I yeah. think it's, it's each of his three roles are pretty different. Yeah, I guess they are kind of different. Which is pretty great, because if you look at the rest of Gene Wilder's career, it's Willy Wonka and Richard Pryor movies, and then things no one ever wants to see. <laughs> Seems like a cruel way to sign <laughs> And then uh, Mel Brooks as well kind of didn't do anything else I care about besides those three Gene Wilder movies. Not even Spaceballs? <sighs> I, I'm really scared to go back to Spaceballs because I loved it so much as a child, but I'm pretty sure. I still like Spaceballs. I think it'll, it'll hold. It's not like, it's not like, um, where the fuck that movie was? Oh yeah, that one. Ben and Tights. Yeah, God, that movie is so bad. That movie's like funny when you're like six years old. Yeah. Like, I watched it like th- two years ago, and it was like the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's really, really immature. Yeah. So maybe it's maybe it's a good thing that Mel Brooks only used Gene Wilder three times. Because what if he he'd used him in his other movies? And, what if I he mean, was Robin Hood? Yeah, I mean, He's super they old been? by then. <laughs> Super old Jewish rather. Um, but I don't know. I mean, may- maybe it's good that they only did the three films together, but at the same time, it would have been cool to see him uh, take have Gene Wilder play other characters because I feel like this is a partnership that was really interesting. And that, that yeah, he did kind of use them in different ways in each film. And I would have been interested to see how, how he'd use them in another film. Though then again, maybe he only had those th- really three great ones in him. So I don't know. But just looking at those films, producers and Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, I mean, man, that's, those are some comedy heavyweights, and I think Gene Wilder is a big part of that. I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. All right, I think yeah, let's keep it for now. Yeah, okay. We, we only got so many. So. Keep an eye on it. Yeah, bogey on your six. Oh, excuse me, I'm talking about Humphrey Bogart. And John Houston working together. Beautiful, Sean. <laughs> but yeah, I put this up on the list just because I totally forgot. Like, the, the I mean, they made what? Tracy Madra, African Queen. What's the third big one? I'm forgetting. Maltese Falcon. Oh, God, look yeah. at those! Like, that's pretty amazing. Probably John Houston's three best films. 
Yeah. And what I think I like about those movies is I feel like it really brought out the the grit kind of in Humphrey Bogart. I mean, I guess I'm not really that familiar with a lot of his other movies. I mean, I've seen Casablanca. I, I get the feeling that he was always, you know, total kind of bad boy, cool, cool guy. And these movies, he's always like, he's just like gritty and like rough around the edges. Like in Treasure of Sermadra and African Queen, I feel like he's like all like gross and stuff, but he just looks like a mess. Yeah. And I think that's really cool that, you know, he took this, this really cool, slick movie star and made him real dirty and showed that, you know, he could play these, these uh, kind of, yeah, these, I guess just rougher characters. I thought that was really cool. And he's basically the guy who established his tough guy persona with Maltese Vulcan. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't afraid to break it down. Was Maltese Falcon before Big Sleep? Yeah, Big Sleep was like 1946. So it's like five years later. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Because, yeah, before uh, Maltese Falcon, Humphrey Bogart had just like mainly played like villains and movies. He had never been the kind of anti-hero that we kind of know him as. Yeah. Treasure Sierra Madre is probably my favorite of, yeah, of, of the three. Just because I feel like he's that one. It's kind of on edge. Um, now this, I, I, this is well, one where it's... I feel like the director benefited more from the actor because... We still got, you know, Casablanca, To Have and Have Not, and other uh-huh. great movies from Humphrey Bogart, but this is kind of the yeah. John Huston I'm looking for, his Bogart movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was John, Huston, was John Huston really that good with anyone else? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't I've, think only, so. I've only seen a couple other of his films. I think I saw his Moby Dick. Did he do a Moby Dick? Yeah, I think so. With Gregory Peck. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen it. It's okay. Yeah. So if it wasn't for wasn't for Humphrey, well, who knows what it would have been like. Yeah. Oh, and I'm reading here that uh, John Huston delivered Humphrey Bogart's eulogy. So they were they must have been pretty tired. <laughs> I, thought just, I thought you were going to say his baby. Yeah, me too, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> he delivered his baby, man. They were that bad. They were oh, so a fine-looking boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now all I can think about is a, is a baby with Humphrey Bogart's head on. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a sweet like baby? Like a hand off, man. <laughs> it's like... It's like smoking a cigar. But a cigar, yeah. <laughs> the baby detective. <laughs> okay, anyways. Uh, mm so should we? I think this one is definitely in, in, in consideration. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything bad to say about it. So for now, it's a maybe. Maybe it's looking good. How about Jack Lemon and Billy Wilder? Huh? Yeah. As long as we're talking about good movies. Yeah, I'm a little ashamed to say I haven't seen more of these guys' collaborations. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen the first three movies they made together, but like Jack Lemmon is one of my favorite actors, and Billy Wilder's right up there is one of my favorite writer directors. And uh, yeah, I've just seen 
Someone Like It Hot, the apartment, and uh, just saw Irma LaDuce. What? Irma LaDuce? I don't, nah. don't even know what that is. Yeah. Super risque for its time. All right. They have the front page on Netflix, but I'm afraid to watch it because it's like mid-70s. Yeah. Billy Wilder, Jack Levin. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But I think it's supposed to be okay. But yeah, I mean, Billy Wilder kind of made Jack Lemmon like the lovable everyman, and you know, I guess, I guess that's one way of putting it. That's how I, I feel about it. I think so. I think. And I think with the apartment, especially, that changed mm-hmm. the path of Jack Lemmon's career. And it's, I think it helps that Billy Wilder's films are so char- have such unique character-driven plots. Really, something for him to you know just sink into and everything. And Jack Lemmon's pretty versatile, so. And I don't think Jack Lemmon is ever as charming as he is in these Billy Wilder movies, you know? He's a grumpy yeah. old man the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always amazed how I always feel like Jack Lemmon could give a character so much depth with, like, so little. Just, like, a facial expression. Yeah. Or his body language. And I think Billy Wilder probably knows that. Like, made him, t- and, like, tapped at that. Because he's, I mean, he's probably one of these guys who's successful... Uh, without Jack Lemmon, you know, in some other films, but I, I think the Jack Lemmon films probably, know, they're probably my favorite. Yeah. Billy Wilder's. I don't know, but. I mean, he had. Pretty he, damn good. He did quite a few good films with William Holden, too. That's another nice, nice duo. Mm hmm. But, but uh, I, yeah, Jack Lemmon. I feel like this one's got to be on the list. I, I feel like. So. Didn't they kind of hate each other? Am I just imagining that? Yeah, I don't think they I've hate never each other. Heard that. I yeah, like... I'm pretty sure that they were. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like I don't know, but I feel like but I heard Billy Wilder is you know he's all about he's about business, you know, getting shit done. But I don't think to the point where I don't think he was a jerk or anything. <laughs> That's good. Though man. I know some of these other guys on this list are, and I can't wait to talk about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's keep going with James Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, that is Alfred Hitchcock with a <laughs> mouthful of marshmallows. <laughs> a mouthful of marbles. Or meatballs. Did they only do the three? They did what? They did, they Vertig- did Vertigo four. and Rear Window and Rope. Rope and The Man Who Knew the man, Too Much. Yeah. I've, I've seen all of those. So have I. I can't, I can't believe I forgot. I think this works so well because I feel like Jimmy Stewart plays nervous so well. <laughs> And Alfred Hitchcock's the master of suspense. So it's good to get a really nervous guy in all your movies because he gets really scared. I'm, I'm afraid of heart. <laughs> is, this, is this podcast just going to be a bunch of bad impressions? <laughs> Perhaps. If you take it there. If you take it there. <laughs> so what I like about the, the Jimmy Stewart Hitchcock movies are he's never playing... You know, the guy you imagine Jimmy Stewart to be, you know, the wonderful life Jimmy Stewart. He's always someone who's a little bit unhinged or a lot of bit unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like in Vertigo, his shit's just all over the place. He's a mess. (laughs) He's a. I mean, in Rear Window, he's got reason to be freaked out. He's seen some pretty pretty fucked up shit in that apartment. That's just a little unhinged. It's just a little hint. Vertigo is like, you know, he's like insane. He's Fred Heights. Yep. Who is it? And of course, there's there's Rope where he's 
kind of like the most traditional Jimmy Stewart. He's just like a professor, nice guy. Everyone tr- goes to him because he's so sagely and wise. But he gets <laughs> ends up a, in a pretty a little fucked bit up of situation. A twist, cause yeah, he's like the guy that knows everything is going. He's outsmarts everyone. Yeah, uh-huh. like you can't get this past me. I don't know what the fuck that was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Vertigo, Rear Window, probably my two favorite Hitchcock movies. So I love this collaboration. How do you think this compares to his uh, collaborations with Cary Grant? I mean, that's up there too. I think probably the Jimmy Stewart ones uh, uh, better, but yeah, I totally forgot about that consideration of this list because then they, they had Notorious and North by Northwest and everything, and those are pretty. Those are pretty damn good. Those are pretty but damn good. I feel like Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I, I just like him better in general. I guess he's so likable. He was like the Tom Hanks of that time. Because you know how people always call Tom Hanks the Jimmy Stewart of this time. I don't know where I'm yeah. going with that. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> In terms of Alfred Hitchcock. Um, this one's a little different from most of the other ones on their list because both the actor and the director were hugely successful outside of their relationship. But mm. I think we made a pretty good case that they brought out the best in each other. I mean, you would say that these collaborations are the best of Hitchcock's films. Would anyone dare to say that these are the best of Jimmy Stewart's films? What was the question? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, are that's these, a little you mean more the best of Jimmy's? Like, are these the best movies Jimmy Stewart made? Like, are they the best of his films? Yeah, I mean, you kind of put the. Frank yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but they may be Hitchcock's best. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably Mr. Smith goes to watch. That's a, that's a tough call. For me. I don't, I don't really know. But I think this one is, should definitely be in consideration for the list. It's okay. kind of an interesting one too. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought back then about putting Jimmy Stewart in these like suspense thriller movies, and yet it works so well. Mm-hmm. So I'm I just I think that's another reason I like this 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 pick so much is just because it, it's, it's one that you wouldn't know if it works, but then it totally did, and I found that really cool. That's so cool. I think we could probably move ahead, and that yeah. one's probably in consideration. Um, how about John Goodman and the Coen Brothers? This is yes. this is another one where it's not really a lot of starring roles, a few. But uh, uh, is there any? What? I mean, he's pretty big. Racing Arizona, he's pretty big. That big? Uh, he's not starring. I'll say. Okay, that. yeah, he's not. Starring. He's not starring in any of these, really, but. He's got pretty substantial roles. So. Pretty substantial roles in really, uh, Big Lebowski and Bart and Fink. Really memorable roles, too. When, every, when anybody talks about Big Lebowski or Bart and Fink, they always got to talk about John Goodman's craziness in those movies. He kind of steals the show, Yeah, I think. I think even in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, he kind of steals the show. <laughs> his his like, couple of scenes is He's a, yeah. weird Cyclops guy. Clansman. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what... Four, five films, I think, if you include John Goodman, a small part, and Hudsucker Proxy. And he's going to be in their latest, so uh, mm-hmm. that's exciting. But yeah, I, I'm glad that we put John Goodman because I feel like the Coen brothers have worked with a lot of interesting people over time. But this one probably is my favorite. I mean, it, you, I think you could make the case for Francis McDormand or Steve Buscemi as well as being. Or great. John Turturro. Or John Turturro, yeah. They're all great collaborators, but. The Coens and John Goodman are just so... I mean, 
I love John Goodman as an actor so much now, and I think a big part of that is his size, but also <laughs> the the Coen Brothers. Uh, only fairly recently has he started doing other projects that I really like. I mean, to me now, John Goodman's practically a national treasure. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. What I like about these, uh, their work with him, too, is I feel like early in John Goodman's career, he's more known for these kind of lovable blue-collar kind of guys, like on Roseanne and, I don't know, King Ralph or something. But the Coens, they gave him these really meaty parts that he could sink his teeth into. And I don't say that because he's fat. Why not? It just, it, just <laughs> out like, it just came out like that. But I don't know. These are just really interesting, unique range of characters. I think like Barton Fink is one that comes to mind right now, and just because of that character, it's, in some scenes he's like so lovable and friendly, you know, kind of at first, but then he's like so terrifying near the end of that film. And I never would have thought John Goodman, you know, Fred Flintstone could be so scary, <laughs> but he's really scary in that movie. Do you remember that part? Where, have Have you seen this? Is everyone? Well, anyways, hopefully this isn't spoiling anything for people who haven't seen it, but he's running down that flaming hallway, and he's like, Look upon me! I'll show you the life of the mind! That's pretty terrifying. <laughs> the guy from Roseanne. I just, it's so cool that the Coens noticed that, you know, this guy could play these kind of parts. I mean, of course, how can you forget, you know, Big Lebowski, Walter Sobchak? Like, like I was saying, I think he does uh, steal the show. It's such he a does. bizarre character. I love how he is always talking about Vietnam. <laughs> just, I remember that one part where he's like, "I didn't watch my buddies die face down the muck of this fucking strumpet." And he's like, "I don't see any connection to Vietnam, Walter." He's like, "Well, there isn't a literal connection, dude." <laughs> <laughs> and he like works the Vietnam thing into his memorial for Donnie. <laughs> what was all that shit about Vietnam? <laughs> Everything's a fucking train wreck with you, Walter. Yeah. That is such a weird character. I can't imagine, but I can't imagine anyone else playing that part. It's John Goodman just... Dominates it. Fits it, dominates it. He makes that part his bitch. Yeah, they're really good together. It's funny to consider this one for the list, seeing that he didn't, he doesn't really star in any of these, but just the way that the Coens use him is just so interesting and it's it's so much fun to watch that it's definitely uh definitely one of my favorites on this list i mean i'm a big coen brothers fan so i'm i'm glad to, that we get to talk about them because i feel like we haven't really talked about them on any on any list yet that much if we have i don't even remember i'm just really relieved that you say he's coming back in their next movie i don't know how that it could be a really small part yeah they're doing that folky kind of movie uh, and he'll be in it, yeah. Great. And a couple more Johns for us to talk about. John Wayne and John Ford. The preeminent cowboy star with the preeminent Western director. I mean, this this one just makes sense, right? Yeah. And they did what? Like 21 films together or something? Some ridiculous number like that. Maybe That's- it was just easier to make films back then. Uh, Can you verify that? It is, tw- it is 21 films, yes. Okay. Wow. It's a lot. These guys, these guys just really got each other, I guess. It's a shame because I feel like, well, how many of those have I seen? Two? I mean, I've seen uh, 
Stagecoach and the Searchers. Yeah, and the Searchers. I mean, those are classic films. I don't know how you, how many others they did. Or haven't you seen uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Oh, was that, that was John Ford? That was John Ford. I didn't even know that. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. I can't believe I forgot that. Great film. That was great. But uh, I remember earlier, I'm going to go off a little thing on this thing for a little bit. Uh, I was talking about directors that are like jerks, and I feel like this is one of them. <laughs> like John Ford, I just heard his total asshole to like everybody on like on the, all the crew and the cast. And I remember hearing something about how he actually made John Wayne cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. He said John Wayne, like the all-American, the toughest man on earth, the toughest cowboy guy, like reduced to tears from this crazy-looking guy with an eye patch. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that, Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish I knew more of his asshole stories, but I definitely—I feel like I've heard a lot. Yeah. But I mean, obviously. The fact that I mean they ended up doing so many movies together, so maybe they could, they both could kind of look past maybe animosity they had at times because they realized that they worked so well together. I, think I mean, so. people, you gotta do twenty-one films with someone you hate or someone you don't that you don't think is good. <laughs> oh, no, obviously they got each other. Yeah, I'm sure they had a lot of respect. Uh, it's just funny that it got so emotional. <laughs> this is another one where. Uh... It's almost like the director sort of built the John Wayne image with, you know, a movie like Stagecoach. And then he totally played against that image with stuff like Stage... with you know, Stagecoach stage 2. Stagecoach 2. Escape Extra from, wheels. Yes. <laughs> no, with The Searchers, where he's kind of playing this mean bigot who's not really that heroic. And uh, same thing with uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, because... He's the guy behind the scenes while someone else is being looked on as the hero. Yeah. I think that it's interesting enough that he kind of builds up the cowboy legend because John Wayne didn't really play a lot of other kinds of characters. Because he, I mean, he basically just played cowboys in other periods of time. (laughs) And there's that time he played, what, Genghis Khan. What? Cowboy (laughs) of the East. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't John Ford, was it? can't imagine. I hope not. <laughs> Maybe, no. Uh, I gotta know now. That I gotta see that movie someday just because it sounds hilarious. The Conqueror. Let me see. I'm just looking this up. No. Dick Powell. All oh, right. man. Dick Powell, he sucks. Anyway. Uh... Yeah, it's a pretty great combination of actor and director. Certainly like the most American combination I can think of. Basically. Yeah. I can't think of anyone more American than John Most Wayne. of these are pretty American. Over the weekend, I went to Leavenworth, and they had this gift shop that was like really conservative-type gifts. Like, they had this picture with all the Republican presidents, like, hanging out. And then there's this one where, like, Jesus signed the Constitution and stuff. And <laughs> Like, that was a small section, but everything else was John Wayne. John Wayne. It's, like, everywhere. It's like, man, people, Americans love John Wayne. That's weird. Try to get that picture. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, in front of, like, the White House, and there's, like, all these people around him. It's like, this is so fucked up. That's there's weird, because wasn't John Ford pretty Democratic? 
if he is, that's really interesting because, of course, John Wayne was, yeah, he was real conservative. So that would be really interesting. I don't know. So I'm going to say yes. That is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Because that, that, that is. Maybe that's why they argued all the time. Hey, when the legend's better than the truth, print the legend, you know. You wouldn't get that because it's from Man Who Shot Liberty Bell. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> one, one last John. How about Johnny Depp and Tim Burton? Oh, yeah, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. These guys are so into each other. They just can't get enough. Seriously. Well, I mean, when are they just going to, like, marry you know, each other, you know? <laughs> well, that's not they, fair. <laughs> this is one of those ones that start off pretty good. But then Tim Burton, like, started using him for roles he wasn't right for. I think it's that started with Sleepy Hollow when uh, he played Ichabod Crane. I mean, you guys are all familiar with, like, the Disney, you know, Ichabod Crane thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and just old stories. I mean, look at him. He's this goofy-looking, stupid guy. And then you get Johnny Depp, and he's, like, looking all handsome and cool and, you know, goth kind of like. And I feel like that was wrong. And then I feel like since then he's used him for, like, almost every opportunity he can. And sometimes it works, but sometimes it, it doesn't because – he has him play characters that he's not right for, like Willy Wonka or Mad Hatter. And now he's just yeah. lazy. So I think what it comes down to like two movies basically with these two, right? It's it's Ed Wood and Edward Scissorhands and any other movie where he's not named Ed, it just doesn't work. I feel like Sweeney Todd, he used him well in Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. but that's definitely not like a classic film or something. It's, yeah, just, it's kind it's of just forgettable because it's... You know, one of those more literal play adaptations where they yeah. don't do that much. And I mean, of it. And, and, and coming up, Tim Burton is going to have Johnny Depp in Dark Shadows, which is another role that I feel like he's not right for. I, I feel like Tim Burton's too afraid to try out other people. Maybe he just had a really bad experience with Ewan McGregor. He made Big Fish. I feel which like is a shame because Big Fish is pretty great. It's one of his big best movies. The you know past couple. For a long time, he hasn't really, really making it as many good ones anymore. I feel like he wanted Johnny Depp for that one. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but he's probably making Pirates of the Caribbean at the time. Yeah, I mean, so that's this but, is another case though where together they made their best movies, right? I mean, outside of this combination, Johnny Depp's best is what, like the original Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, I don't fear I and loathing in Las Vegas, I guess, probably. Gilbert Grape, maybe, or uh, uh, Benny and June. I mean, <laughs> Johnny Depp's boy with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I'll stop bringing it up. <laughs> I know it he loves movie. that part so much. He's doing what, like he's, five he's, movies he's now? He's good at that part. But he's done other good work. And I think, but I don't know if Tim, let me see Tim Burton. I guess Beetlejuice is good. <laughs> but uh, he, I guess he kind of needs Johnny Depp now. They should remake Beetlejuice with June. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't surprise me that much. Yeah. It's too bad that Michael that Keaton team didn't take off because they worked together <laughs> three times. Could you imagine if Michael Keaton was Willy Wonka? <laughs> or <I'm>... Jack Sparrow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now you're talking. Works. <laughs> Gorbitsky. Him and Johnny Depp just have a switch careers. Johnny yeah. Depp's Jack Frost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Keaton's in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, 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 how's it going? Uh, and he does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, I'm a pirate. Uh, how's it going? 
We're all doing fine, Michael Keaton. Stop asking us. <laughs> Just what Michael Keaton says. Oh, oh. go up. <laughs> he doesn't really say anything. <laughs> Michael Keaton just has a bunch of filler words. He doesn't actually speak real sentences. Anyways, yeah, this is one that started off promising, but I think it's pretty much Tim Burton's fault. He's kind of it's kind of falling tainted. apart in the past ten years. Yeah, and I think for that reason, it probably doesn't make the list. And Johnny Depp's just kind of doing it these days, probably because just because they're friends, not because he thinks it's oh, this is a really great role to play the Mad Hatter. Well, well yeah. Johnny Depp seems like one of those actors who doesn't really care what he's doing as long as he's acting and having he's a good time. Watch it, so. That's right. <laughs> he doesn't even it's watch. Like he's just doing it as a favor now. That's why he does all these Pirates of the Caribbean movies because <laughs> it sounds like a good time. Getting paid he's so much money. Even Gore Verbinski are just getting Gore Verbinski. That's why they're doing Lone Ranger now. Who knows? In a couple of years, that maybe we'll be talking about that part. Of the show. Have, you, have you guys? They released the the photo of his costume, and it is a really, really Johnny Depp costume. He's playing Tonto, by the way. <laughs> Not not the Lone Ranger. Yeah, Army Hammer's the Lone Ranger. Army Do you know Jack White is scoring in that? Makes sense. Weird. He's basically the Johnny Depp of musicians. Anyway. I wonder if they've met. His costume includes a crow that's like sewn into his hair. What's that all about? That's not going to be distracting at all during a movie. Well, we'll see. It, we have till what, like 2013? So, yeah. yeah, that's past the end of the world, so we'll be fine. I guess that's not that far. It just sounds so futuristic. But yeah, this one's not making the list, so we can move ahead. Okay, how about two people that almost certainly really hated each other? Klaus Kinski and Werner, or Werner Herzog. Excuse me. I think this one's kind of the definition of uh, love-hate. Because or perhaps hate-love. Or hate-hate. <laughs> there you go. Because he's, I feel like these guys worked together, what, I think seven times. That is exactly I mean, that, that's weird considering, like, if they hate each other. But they've definitely had some pretty intense moments. The example everyone thinks of is while filming Aguirre the Wrath of God, I think it was. Aguirre or Gear. I've never been actually how to pronounce it. The, yeah, go on. Kinski pulled a gun on Herzog at some point during the production. Yeah. Something like that. I feel like that's that's kind of like a bit of an urban legend. Like maybe that's been blown out of proportion a little bit, but something to that extent. And I'm Her- sure Herzog wasn't that intimidated by it because everyone's seen that interview now, right? And if you haven't seen it, look it up where uh, someone's interviewing Werner Herzog and he fucking gets shot and he just keeps giving the interview. <laughs> it's not yeah, sad to be good. I've deal. seen that. That's pretty good. Werner is a tough dude. He's a tough. He just takes a bullet. Yes. I, I like the story of how Klaus Kinski met, though. I feel like. It was uh, Werner Herzog's family had like an apartment, and Klaus Kinski stayed there for a while. And everyone's really scared of him because he's like screaming through the walls and everything. But then, like years later, when he's making when Herzog's making a gear of the wrath of God, he's like, you know, maybe I should ask that pissed off crazy guy. And he uh, <laughs> sent him the screenplay, and then he got he gets like this phone call at like four a.m. And Klaus Kinski just like screams at him through the phone, like. <laughs> He calls him up before him and starts screaming at him. Like, I, wonder, I, I just, I wonder what he was saying. It's like, hey, we're gonna work together. I mean, from all the stories, it sounds like Klaus Kinski is the one that kind of drove all this conflict. He was the real crazy one. But I guess Werner Herzog was just so tough that he's put up with it. He's like, whatever. Well, <laughs> as crazy as he was, 
Hoskinson was pretty good. He was so intense. Like if, you, if this was a list of like most intense actors, he's yeah. up there because he was intense. He never stopped being intense, and he's intense in in so many of these movies. I just wish I'd seen more of them. Yeah, has anyone here seen Fitzcarraldo? No, I haven't. I just but saw I've always... it the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a lot like Aguirre. It's basically a guy going down a river, <laughs> chasing this deranged obsession that he has. He wants to build an opera house in like the middle mm-hmm. of the jungle. And yeah, it's. I mean, Kinski's pretty perfect for Herzog just because he's got this wild, crazy obsession in his eyes. You just see it, and it's perfect for Herzog because that's kind of what his films are about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've only seen a girl in. Uh... Nosferatu, which is actually pretty good, pretty good remake. So, and that's that's actually that's one where he's a little more Kinski's a little more subdued, and he's still really good. So he did have range too. So I could see why Herzog uh, liked using him. And I mean, I, I've I've only seen so many Herzog films, but I feel like since then he's done a lot less uh, films based around performances like from actors. I feel like he's done so many documentaries. I mean, he's always just done a lot of documentaries, but it's like since he's lost Kinski, he hasn't been able to like you know, make the same kind of movies anymore. And he didn't Kinski didn't go out and make great movies either. This is just the perfect collision of two insane people resulting <laughs> in some of the great films ever made. I think there's an, an interesting documentary about about their friendship or something and the love-hate relationship. I'd like to check that out it's sometime. It's called The Killing Fields. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this one's a maybe just because, yeah, we haven't seen that many of their films. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably good, but I need to see more. I just love like, it so much as an idea. Yeah. Yeah. These guys uh, would kill each other for their art, basically. That's kind of the... Relationship you look for, really. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we can move ahead. All right. I'm going to let you take this one, call. All right. <laughs> uh, next one up is Marcello Mastriani, uh, the great Italian actor, and Federico Fellini. So this is La Dolce Vita? It's pretty much La Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half, which All right, yeah. for me are probably Fellini's two best films. And uh, Mastriani's starring in him. And he's just hes just so cool. He's like the most suave, like, debonair European guy that ever graced the screen, really. He's, he's pretty awesome. But again, uh, I feel like none of their other collaborations are really as famous as those two, so maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really speak to it since I haven't seen those movies i've seen eight and a half and i wasn't really into it i thought it was a little too surreal for for my liking but the uh, the performance was good from what's his face marcello macaroni mm-hmm. or whatever, he's called, whatever his name is. <laughs> he was good i liked him but the movie is a little weird for me and, and i haven't seen another one is the other one surreal no it's not very surreal okay so I might check that out sometime. But yeah, this is one I, I can't really speak for because I'm not that familiar with Fellini or this other guy. <laughs> All right. So that's a no, I guess. I mean, those are the movies you think of when you think of Fellini, though, right? Pretty I mean, much. Or, anyone. you know, La Strada, Knights of Cabiria, whatever. I haven't seen a lot of Fellini movies in a long time. I got him to him in, like, high school. I need to check out Eight and a Half. What about... Uh, yeah. 
Marky Macaroni. What, did he do other movies? Yeah, he's done some other pretty great movies. He did some with uh, Antonioni, another renowned Italian director. Uh, probably some more that I can't think of offhand. But yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the more famous Italian actors of his time. Maybe the most famous. All right. Well, and I'm, I feel like we I'm, paid our due. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm digging that nickname, Marky Macaroni. Marky uh, Macaroni. <laughs> I like to think that's like guys would like walk up to him on the street and go, Yeah, yo, Marky Macaroni. I knows you from the movies. <laughs> uh, how about uh, Max von Sydow and... or Is it Sydow or Sydow? I've never known. I feel yeah. like it's Sydow. Okay. And also, <laughs> Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> Shall I take this one, too? Yeah. You got it. I've only seen Seven Seal. This is your fastball special. No. uh, I've seen quite a few Ingmar Bergman films. He's probably my favorite foreign director. And Von Sydow, I suppose, out of all the actors Bergman used, he's definitely the most famous. I mean, I could have gone with someone like Gunnar Bjornstrand, who appeared in a lot of his films, but no one knows who that is. Or Liv Ullman. Liv Ullman, uh, B.B. Anderson, Harriet Anderson, but, I mean, Von Sydow does give the iconic performance in uh, in The Seventh Seal, and he's great in a lot of other ones. I just saw the other day uh, The Virgin Spring, which is a pretty pretty heavy film, and Von Sydow does a lot of the heavy lifting in that, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say if you guys have only seen The Seventh Seal. I mean, Sean yeah, just watched sorry. The Seventh Seal the other night. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a great film. And uh, see, I was definitely a big part of that. So, what kind of, how did he usually use him? Was he usually starring or? Uh... Not always starring. Um, yeah, he has more supporting roles in like uh, Winter mm-hmm. Light and Wild Strawberries. So, he used them for all sorts of different ways. One of those. Which one would you recommend for for me? As a Von Sydow performance or as a Bergman or film? Like the one I should see that I haven't seen yet, which is pretty much all of them. Like what, your favorite, if, unless Seven Seals is your favorite, your next favorite or something, you know. I'm just wondering. That, that, and that intrigues me, that partnership, but I don't know where to start. Uh, yeah, the... It's hard to recommend The Virgin Spring because that's a really heavy film. Uh, Through a Glass Darkly is a pretty good one. Okay. Pretty heavy, too. All of Bergman's films are pretty heavy. The Passion of Anna. Except for, like, Wild Strawberries. That one's, that one's kind of lighthearted. I would be surprised if a movie called Wild Strawberries was heavy, but... Yeah. <laughs> what if it was a movie know, called man. Heavy Strawberries? Heavy <laughs> Strawberries. <laughs> Michael Keaton in... <laughs> I mean, the, the, uh, these aren't two people I know that much about, but I, I know they usually come up together when people talk about them. I mean, Max von Sydow has also done what? Minority Report? Exorcist. Exorcist? I mean... Flash, Flash Gordon. <laughs> Sweet. Not one of his spider moments. Doom. Um... But yeah, they 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 seem to be a, a classic duo. It's just I don't know. You don't know. I'm not a film scholar. I'm just a regular guy. Uh, not to your family. 
you're a snob, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so wait, I mean, be real here, Colin. Is, is this a good enough combination to put on the list? Because if you say it is, I will believe you. I mean, yeah, I'd probably take it over some of these. Well, not many of these others, but a couple other ones. Right. Then I don't really want to take it off yet. Okay. I mean, unless Nancy, I know it's probably not Nancy's list. Nancy's not about the Swedish people. Get them out of here. Those damn sweet. It's number number one. It's my number negative one. John's number negative one. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, Moving ahead. That's pretty close to the one spot if you think about it. Just two away in the wrong direction. How about Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese? Right? It's, it's kind of the, one of the first ones that pops up in your head when you think about duos. Even though Martin Scorsese has started a new friendship with Leo... Nardo DiCaprio. I can't. I could. I tried to say Leo DiCaprio. I couldn't force myself to do it. <laughs> what the hell did you say? Leonardo? Le what? I said Leo. Long pause. Nardo. <laughs> Nardo. Uh, you just pass funny. it off as a cool nickname. Nardo. 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 It, Nardo. But I think in uh, in in just in terms of the quality of the films uh, they produce, this is probably my favorite matchup on this. Uh, I mean Robert De Niro. Oh, I mean, if I was Martin Scorsese, I'd use Robert De Niro for every single role. I mean, he's so cool. He's simply just like one of the most edgy, intense actors. You probably say the same thing about Scorsese as a director. And they, you know, explored some very dark corners <laughs> and so many of his mind. Yeah, you know, so many of his films rely on De Niro's performance. I mean, Raging Bull and Taxi Driver; those are all built around De Niro just playing this intense, out-there kind of characters. King of Comedy. And King of yeah, Comedy, it, too. That's kind of an interesting uh, use of <laughs> him in a different kind of capacity. He's a different kind of character. And he still has to carry the movie because, you know, he's practically in every scene, but he, and he does so well in that. I saw that recently. That, 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 that performance really blew my mind. That was... Wow. Like, De Niro's got a lot of range. I mean, he's really great at playing the wise guys, but he can do a lot. I almost I think it's a shame that Scorsese hasn't used him in such a, in such a while. You know? Right? Yeah, because De Niro doesn't do a good job of picking parts for himself. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, dude did that terrible Jason Statham action movie recently, what, like Killer Elite or something. We're just really lucky we got Godfather Part Two and Heat because, like, some someone must have came in and told Robert De Niro to take those roles because he. Probably wanted to play a gay pirate in more movies. You had to keep putting it off until Stardust. Maybe he wasn't gay. Maybe he was just a cross-dresser. I don't know. <laughs> you can explore that later. Yeah. On forums. Pretty sure he was gay in Stardust. But yeah, I mean, I think this is probably De Niro's best films. You know, Ricky, Ricky Gervais is only in Stardust so he could ask Robert De Niro to be on uh, Extras. Did you know that little little piece of knowledge I yeah, just dropped? Pretty sure you've told me before. A little really, I didn't know that though. That's interesting. A little brain bit for you. I think I've seen most of the films. I haven't seen Cape Fear though. <laughs> it's another really scary performance from Jenny. Yeah, but I've loved everything Super else they've intense. done. 
But yeah, I mean, like I said, this is my this is my favorite matchup. I think out of all of these. So it's John's number one. So it's, <sighs> now we know. Now we know. I guess. I mean, ugh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, I mean, I, I didn't make a list or something, but I'm just saying, looking at these now, this is probably my favorite. So I feel like it's got to be on the list. Right on, dude. Durr. How about? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> How about we talk about Toshio Mifune and Akira Kurosawa, the very last entry on our list of duos? What a way to go out. Hell of a way to go out. Another combo that really liked each other, apparently, because they made a lot of movies. I think it's like 16. That is exactly it. 16 movies. Yeah. I looked these up a while back. It's hard for me to think of one without thinking of the other. Pretty but much. I mean, Toshiro Mifune is one of those guys where I feel like, I mean, who I'd want to use him in every movie, too. He's like the toughest, you know, Japanese guy there is, you know, except maybe for former Mariner Kenji Jojima. <laughs> <laughs> and he uses him in a different capacity in every movie, you know. I feel like sometimes he's more like honorable characters. Sometimes he's just kind of just crazy. Uh, it's hard to think of two more different characters than the one he plays in Rashomon, which is this crazed, pathetic thief guy that's totally unhinged and you know your jimbo or he's a silent strong solemn type and that's that's them basically inventing the man with no name thing by the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically inventing action movies in general and i mean not only was Toshiro Mifune such a great actor but he's pretty good physically in, in the action kind of roles and, and in all those movies too i remember hearing about something where i think i can't remember the movie like throne of blood or something there's a scene where they had to like shoot a bunch of arrows at him oh yeah and they like did it for real yeah. like like, you get, like it's like you have to hit all these different marks or you will die that's so insane <laughs> or you will get hit with a bow and arrow think about I, that I, scene they shoot so, a lot of your arrows in that scene they, they don't skip on the arrows i think it's so cool that kurosawa was like that intense you know with what he wanted on camera and that touch him <laughs> was willing to do it yep. Let's do it. I, I don't know how willing. I don't know if he's like if like that took a lot of convincing or what. <laughs> like well, I'm sure it wasn't. Hey, we're gonna shoot a bunch of arrows. You run to these marks. I'm sure there's plenty of safety and rehearsing. I hope so. They, they, they probably made him feel pretty yeah, safe. Just, let's just wing it. <laughs> just wing it. It's you gotta run. be real. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like the Japanese to me. You gotta react appropriately. Uh, since we're naming favorite foreign directors, uh, Akira Kurosawa is definitely mine. It's mm-hmm. uh, so I kind of see the similarities between him and Bergman. I, I get it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but I just love so many of, of these movies, and very few of the Kurosawa films I've seen didn't have Mifune in them. Akira, Akira the doesn't have comes him, to mind. and Ron. Yeah. Well, yeah, his later ones. But yeah, they they work really well. And you know, it was good that we watched uh, High and Low because that confirmed that uh, Mifune is just as comfortable not playing a bandit samurai guy. He's just great. He just has 
ridiculous presence on screen. Yep. I don't know. It's important to me, like, to take into account. I, it's hard for me to think of one without thinking of the other. Like, I so associate them as a team that it seems so right for the list. Yeah. Even though I've only seen, like, what, like, four of those 16 <laughs> or something like that. So I say we keep them. We can, yeah. So we got to go back and cut two of them off. Trim the fat. And, uh, Nancy, who do you think should go? <laughs> <laughs> currently playing some game on his iPhone. He doesn't know what's going on. It's called Purdue. Well, well, we got, uh, <laughs> we got, we got Herzog and Kinski still on there, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, okay. you think. I know that one is so, it makes so much sense, but I feel like we just we don't really we don't really know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and we could make the exact same case for Sidow and. Oh Jordan. yeah, yeah. I agree. Not the. What do you think, Colin? Good? As as the sole representative of those guys, <laughs> yeah. Once again, I feel like it's got to be. Yeah, you always got to chime list. in there to. You always got to. I gotta remind people, you know, the guidelines. I, I just feel like it's not the list. It's, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, if you don't know anything about it, don't put it on a list. You know what I mean? Got one movie. In. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's cut those two and then, and then make this thing into a list. All right. Okay, so hold on. Are we at ten now? Yeah. So I think at the back end, it's probably. As much as I love these combinations so much, they're probably in my personal top five. But I think Bill Murray and John Goodman, since they're both bit players in most of their collaborations with their respective directors, maybe belong more at the bottom of the list. My thoughts exactly. I wouldn't even put them on the list. So number 10 is fine for me. Well, I suppose that's fair then. You can put them on the... So Bill Murray, number 10, right? And then John Goodman, number 9? Uh, Sure. Either or Although, I mean, Bill Murray actually starred in some of these movies. They're just the movies you hate. (laughs) Is this really going to become a battle for the number nine spot, Sean? All right, 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 right. right. Okay, put John Goodman in number nine. nine. Put Bill Murray nine. I don't care. Like I said, either or. Like it. (laughs) I don't care that much about the nine and ten spot. Mm. All right. Yeah. It has been heated before. Uh, I'm thinking... Um, thinking Diane Keaton and Woody Allen might be lower end of the spectrum. Maybe. But I don't know. I'm kind of okay with that. Because Woody has done a lot of films without her. I, of course she's good at all those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Woody's done a lot without her. And I feel like... Woody's really good in those movies, too. I mean, you can almost put Woody Allen and himself. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That could have been one of them. You should turn that into Diet King slash Woody Allen slash Woody Allen. No, I refuse to do that. <laughs> but I will put Diane Keaton and Woody Allen in the number eight spot. Okay. And then it's, and another one I like a lot, but uh, I think of Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks, just because they only did the three. And I feel like that's tough to compete when you got these other guys. I mean, I know those three are really good, but... Just because Mel Brooks doesn't quite stack up to these other directors. Yeah, we didn't get to see enough of that team to see if... Like, maybe they did one more, like, oh, they only had three in them. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
I'm with you guys. And go. I'm feeling this. <laughs> and now I'm looking at, a sticky. at Bogey and John Houston. Uh, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, well, I think the, the other ones that could go this low are maybe John Wayne and John Ford. What, what, what did I say? Humphrey Bogart? Maybe also Jack Lemmon and Billy Wilder. Maybe. See, that's why it's so tough. There's so many that I'm willing to put in the middle. I have no idea. All right. Well, the next one we put is the sixth spot, so that one's not making the top five. So there's got to be one it's you important. secretly don't like as much. Just a little bit. I'd probably go... It's not easy to do this, but I'd probably go John Wayne John Ford just because I haven't seen that many of their films. I've seen, what, three or four, something like that. Yeah. Uh, out of 21. <laughs> and I've I don't seen know that. the quality of all those films. I can't imagine all 21 of those are great. Yeah, I've only seen a handful of John Wayne and John Ford movies, period. Not not even just their collaborations. I think the only other John Ford movie I saw was My Darling Clementine. So let's put that at number six. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still I'm still drawn to Bogey and John Houston for the number five now. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know. It's it's one of those ones that's not really as obvious for some reason. Though they did yeah. they definitely were pretty good together. I don't know if it's one of the more iconic ones. I don't know if that should matter. I'm just I'm just trying to bring up any reason to try to sort this out in my mind. <laughs> And somehow that helps. Uh, I mean, if you're thinking that for the five spot, I mean, I'm, I'll I'll back you up, I guess. I mean, I can just t- I can just walk you through the top five in my head right now if you want. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That, that sounds that sounds dangerous. <laughs> what do you think, Colin? I don't really care. I mean, I'm, I'm also having a hard time putting these in order. Well, no, okay. Shots would walk through his. Here you go. Here's what. Here's the way I would do it. Humphrey Bogart. Jack Lemon, Jimmy Stewart, Toshiro Mifune, Robert De Niro. I feel like Jack Lemon should maybe be higher. We should be higher than Jimmy Stewart. I think. What do you think, Colin? You're a big, you're a big Jack Lemon, Billy Wilder fan. Yeah, I am. It's just the thing that it's like Billy Wilder and Jack Lemon made two great films with each other, and then a bunch that no one really knows anything about. And I feel like everyone kind of knows the four that. Hitchcock and Stewart made together. Uh-huh. So I guess in that respect, I'd put them higher. Right. As much oh. as I love Lemon and Wilder. All right. Then, so then I'll agree with that. I forgot everything else that you said, Sean. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 so Bogey and John Houston in the five hole. A five. Then Jack Lemon and Billy Wilder in number four. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jimmy Stewart. Then Jimmy Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock. Then Toshiro Mifune and Akira Kurosawa. And then Robert De Niro. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like Toshiro Mifune and Akira Kurosawa may be, like, critically, I don't know, maybe the best team ever, but I feel like my favorite is De Niro and Scorsese. It's close. I don't know. But, yeah, it's de- that's definitely my favorite, so I think that should be one. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. It's my favorite, too. I mean, yeah. love all those... 
pretty much all the movies those guys did together. So Awesome. I think you can read it off. All right. So our favorite actor-director duos. Number 10, Bill Murray and Wes Anderson. Number 9, John Goodman and the Coen Brothers. Number 8, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen. Number 7, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks. Number 6, John Wayne and John Ford. Number 5, Humphrey Bogart and John Huston. Number 4, Jack Lemmon and Billy Wilder. Number 3, Jimmy Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock. Number 2, Toshiro Mifune and Akira Kurosawa. And number 1, Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese. And if you would like to be a companion to this episode of the podcast, you could head over to madlyplease.com and leave a comment. I'd feel really proud about it. Uh, if not, you can just keep listening, because we'll be back next week with more Top 10 Thursdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah.